Cool. So welcome everyone. Uh, this is the second, no, third. Is it the third? Yes, the third. The third, but number two. Third issue, but number two of a Curse with Good Ideas podcast. The podcast about being cursed with good ideas. <laughs> so today we have the usual hosts. So me, Gabriel, Dino, and Josh. And we also have a special guest, even though our guests are always special. <laughs> but today we have Joy Ju. Is this, yeah. am, I, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yeah, it, it doesn't um, matter. That's great. So I'm going to call you different names at <laughs> different times of the podcast. Um, we, we have no idea who you are. Like, this thing just started because you replied to some discussion we had on Twitter, I think. Yeah, it was, was it about, about some, uh, like, you were talking about Baizu, and I was, I was uh, I, no, we were talking about the article, the Bruce Gilly article, and then oh, I said right. that uh, it would be hated by Left Plastic. Yeah, 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 because um, so what happened was that uh, a couple of weeks ago, not even maybe a month ago, me and Dino were talking about Baitsuo and Left Plastic and other things, mm-hmm. and uh, even the first issue of this podcast was about that, so we thought, yeah, maybe we can continue that conversation, mm-hmm. um, yeah, can you, can you introduce yourself, like, who, who are you, um, what do you do? I am, uh, well... I'm from Hong Kong and I just graduated from college in the US and I'm okay. not doing anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to Moscow soon and learning Russian in, in, uh, in Moscow for a year. And uh, I applied to a program, in, a philosophy program in Norway. So after that, I might go to Norway because uh, that program, because I did some work on Wittgenstein when I was, when I was in college and like, that that place that University of Bergen has like the Wittgenstein archives and it might be like a good stepping stone for me to uh, do a master's before I go to before I apply for like PhD programs and stuff because right uh, that's yeah, yeah. I don't I that's... really don't want to uh, be in Hong Kong so I think uh, getting a PhD might be a good way to uh, like move to another place without uh, spending too much money on like expensive degrees and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and being really sad afterwards. Yeah, that's my <laughs> laugh. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, we're fine. Yeah, well, that's a pretty long, yeah, long plan. Can, can we talk about why you don't want to live in Hong Kong? Uh, because, uh, like, uh, it basically sucks. Like, uh, if I'm a humanities uh, major, like, if I study humanities, I'm basically... Uh, I don't know, I guess I'll become a teacher or something, but I don't want to do that. And um, I don't know, like, what, what, what can, like, humanities people do in Hong Kong apart from, like, teaching, uh, like, tutoring, like, kids to, uh, and help, helping them apply for college. And mm. um, I don't know, it's like this, this whole Hong Kong is, like, filled with, like, financial institutions and, like, the whole industry is basically uh, dominated by, like, financial business and stuff. And Maybe you can become a public intellectual or something. Oh, uh, like there's, <laughs> yeah, no? totally, totally. My my Chinese is probably not good enough, but uh, I don't think uh, I think everyone can become a public intellectual nowadays. Just open a Twitter okay. account and like spam people with like nonsensical things, and people will think that uh, you're like you're really weird, and you you could be like Wint, and and people will just. Uh, well, that's that's a hot take. I yeah. think we can all we can all agree on that. That we can all right. be like Wint. Yeah, we could all yeah. be like, yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I should try that. Yeah, we should all try that. Yeah. So the thing is, we wanted to talk about Hong Kong, right? Today. Yep. Yeah. Because it seems that you have a pretty interesting outlook, or maybe you're just looking into some interesting things. Are you translating someone? Uh, I'm not. I'm not currently translating anyone, but in the past, okay. I've translated some. Uh, like some writers from Hong Kong and like I, I submitted it to Asymptote and they accepted it and like although I, I like I, I submitted the tra- I wrote the translation in May and it was like totally finished by June after uh, like really like the, the author of the art like of the of the article kept like trying to like correct his correct my translation of his stuff which uh, sort of annoyed me but anyway like the translation took long enough, and I submitted it to Asymptote, and then they told me that uh, they're going to publish it in, like, uh, January or something. Okay. Wait, what was the translation of who? It was uh, it was a book called uh, A Room Without Myself, and the writer is uh, Lee Chi Lung. And okay. he and he was uh, he I think he wrote a book he published a book like he published this book, like, 10 years ago, and now it's being republished. And it's very much about how... Uh, he feels as like a psychiatric patient in Hong Kong, how he's been like how uh, Hong Kong does not have any space at all. Everything always feels uh, confined by the malls and like this very set format of living in Hong Kong. And um, he he thinks that like I think one very like he he's very intifical. And one of the um, main things that he wants to express with this book of essays is that. Um, like psychiatric diseases c- can't be like they shouldn't be cured by like medication because like he apparently had a lot of issues by with medication and he thinks that uh, psychiatric psychiatric wards treat people like animals, so he thinks that uh, people should like psychiatric patients should be treated in a more humane way and these uh, psychiatric diseases are very much uh, like people are very much like their environment are like key in causing people to have these issues all right so it's, yeah. it's not a it's not a novel is it like a, a autobiographical thing or i think or it's, an essay uh, it's or? uh yeah it's autobiographical essays i guess okay yeah oh so i, I thought i thought you were translating something more like explicitly political or maybe you yeah. were just looking into it i did or is i this did it oh you did okay yeah i i translated another uh guy recently his name like his name, his name is called Louis Loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, his Chinese name is Long Xidan, and he's like known to be a very vocal uh, localist uh, columnist. And he just basically like writes very uh, emotional, sensational essays, uh, hating on the government. Um, I mm. think if uh, like if he was in like my friend said that if he was uh, like he wrote something. Like if if he was being read in Europe, people would probably think that he's fascist or something. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I think this is what kind of really I really want to talk about this stuff or or mm-hmm. have a like a dialogue or or discussion about this because I feel I feel most discussion of Hong Kong politics in English speaking outlets is like Umbrella Movement, Occupy, and everything after that. There's very yeah. little about localists. Yeah, there is a little bit, but just just it's very limited coverage, and there is pr- basically nothing about uh, other thinkers, like even more uh, right wing or even more like other kind of independence, pro independence thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe among us, Dino is the one that follows it a bit more. I I, I don't know much. I mean, I read the a few links that we share these days, mm-hmm. but. Um, 
maybe uh, I, I guess the audience doesn't know much either so like if we can kind of move from a very basic thing into weirder or more interesting authors like the one the ones we kept discussing on slack those days it would be quite nice i don't know if you want yeah. to start from from you Kuei, or from other questions you guys have yeah I, I mean that's a good point i think the furthest uh the discourse goes out of the west is just joshua wong and mm -hmm. nothing really past that so mm -hmm. that's why i was so i mean you have to go really really deep uh to dig to find something about yeah localist uh almost well i mean hong kong nationalist but almost like kind of uh it, it gets a little bit brown shirty at times it's interesting and i think there's a lot of uh stuff that you can mine there uh one thing i wanted to ask though just to go back to the the psychiatric patient sure uh guy mm -hmm. that was being translated uh, before you clarified that he actually was a psychiatric patient, I thought that he was simply saying that because I live in Hong Kong, I feel like I'm insane. Is there a kind of political import there that he uh, ties his particular insanity to living in that, you know, tightly, uh, j just a very stuck space, like a very, a very tight space? Yeah, he like there is no doubt like political import like his I think his writing is very political and uh, he he he's very like I think he's very anti-capitalist and um, but he like he himself is like quite critical of like localists uh, themselves because uh, he thinks like I think he's like too ide too idealistic to be into like practical politics because uh like he he doesn't like like people like edward Lowe because he thinks that people like will uh like look at them as idols and like worship them blindly or something and like his take is more left i guess yeah yeah we can start from that the thing is like i see that uh you know like all the rhetoric about the umbrella movement occupy movements and whatever is connected to that is very appetizing for uh media like western media because they can tie that into kind of a hong kong independence say you know and put this against china and it's it's a very enticing image but apparently there is also like a, an other sorts of pro-independence like hong kong independence uh thinking that is way more reactionary or conservative or uh, like new confusion that kind of stuff so i, I really wanted to know more but of course, we can tie that into Bruce Gilley's piece on colonialism, because apparently some of these Hong Kong intellectuals also argue for recolonizing Hong Kong or basically going back to the good old colonial times. And how 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 is this uh, articulated? Yeah. I don't think yeah, I don't think they argue for recolonization, but there's like oh. definitely like this like like whenever in july 1st like a lot of people just like go out on the street and like with, sure. with their british colonial facts yeah 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 uh, but isn't yeah. like didn't weren't uh, like you were talking about one of your friends for example who like lives in the uk and is all like super into that kind of uh let's say traditional british identity and there is quite a lot of that in hong kong right of people that kind of re-embrace Br britishness or hong kong britishness as a sort of resistance against the changes of the city yeah, I don't think um, there is this particular awareness of using Britishness to uh, go against China because I think like there are so many traditions and so many things that people do that are like already like embedded to their daily lives and 
say like um, I think like education is very important and they sort of like shape the way uh, like people like how the society is organized and how people act say like there are a lot of like religious schools in Hong Kong like not mm. like religious like traditional schools that have like a long history such as like the like St. Paul's Coed or St. Paul's College or St. Paul whatever and DBS and DGS and they sort of like train this elite uh, mm. from those schools and all these all these people go to Hong Kong U and then they become like the elite of their society and they speak like really really British English and they are sure. like trained the way like they're like a lot of the systems were like already like British already so um, so it's that kind of Britishness that is still embedded in this elite education yeah like right. um, I don't know like before before when when uh, Siwa Lung was elected there was also yeah. The other, the other guy. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Tong Tong Yingli. The yeah, that uh, guy. That guy's like super funny. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's he's like um, I don't know. He's like this uh like British servant sort of uh, uh model, and I think the yeah. the, the the Chinese but he can't, didn't. Hmm? He can't speak proper English though. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's he still had some sort of uh. Well, he's. He, I think he be, like. I mean, he worked for like the previous government, and he was much more. I don't know, British British gentleman sort of person, but not really. He Current. was like he was like a G G B. Like she, he was like he had some sort of like British title. Uh, let me like let me sir, see. Something like knighted person. Like GBN, GBS, JP, and that that kind of thing. And okay. And like most most of the people who were in office had these sort of like titles. Could you could you give us like a map of the current uh, political spectrum in Hong Kong? Also, I think like the audience is pretty could be pretty interesting to get a more like expanded idea of everything that's going on and different ideologies or. Yeah. I'm not. I don't. I. I. I'm not really sure that I'm like the best person to ask, but I like. It's fine. Among, Just yeah. Among the among the like among the. Um, among the people who are against the government, like there's like basically, uh, there's like the this pro government camp and anti government camp, and there's also the, uh, pan democrats, and there's the, like for the pro government camp is basically they basically consist of the, uh, Manginlun, which is like a very traditional, um, I think that this like these these main this this group of people mainly descended from like the people who are pro. Pro, pro, like people who organized the riots in nineteen sixty seven, and mm -hmm. they, they were, they were, they consist mainly of people who were from, uh, like the leaders of the unions and people who were, um, who were like people, people from, like pro China schools, and there's also, um, the pan democrats who are, like, um, uh, like, I think they were. They were more like pro, like they were. They were sort of, um, like the spectrum of people who who are were more pro democracy and pro, pro like the British colonial rule, and they 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 are also like, the people who like say in the umbrella movement, a lot of those people, uh, like stood out and like, uh, they like they welcomed the the police to uh take them to jail so that they could uh like get the like reap the reap the fruits of whatever political struggle that the students have and so they basically uh, like people accuse them of like just uh going to the legislative council and like uh just uh like they do politics only 
for the salary and they they like talk about democracy but they don't do they don't do anything about it and there's also like the students the student movements uh, which is our generation and there's they're sort of uh divided between like this this camp that is like more close to Josh and Wong that is um like they they talk about uh um um oh one thing about the pan democrats is that i think they are more they they tend to be I th like st a lot of them like advocate like universal values say for example on the issue of the june 4th movement they might they might be like uh pro 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 like they they might be for the democratization of china and like for uh mm. um like helping the chinese become more democratic and like and but the people but the student movement like uh, are like some of them are against this uh move to democratize china Okay. And this is where uh, uh, Wang Xin comes in because, like, if if okay. we if we want uh, China to democratize, it would mean that we are trying to interfere into the internal politics of China, which means that uh, we are implying that we are part of China, and this is something that um, they don't want. And okay, yeah, that's that's interesting already. Like, so you said the student movement is kind of divided between following Joshua. And yeah, and and other, also the, the and also be? the the part that is uh like pro independence and um there's like okay. there are like mainly three three parties I think one is like the young inspiration which mm -hmm. which are the two people that got uh, oosted out of the legislative yeah, council yeah, yeah, for yeah. for the yeah. for the flag thing and also uh the the Joshua party that the Joshua um spectrum is the people who like i think they were the people that were they like they exist because they're more they were like there when the uh uh umbrella movement was um going on so they're they're more pro um they're pro democracy but they're not pro independence whereas uh okay. The pro independence people are uh, separatist and they're like this is still uh this is still scholarism does it still exist a scholarism I don't think they exist anymore. Uh, okay. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure about that. Um, okay. I think they sort of like disbanded after the. Um, uh, yeah, I think they disbanded after the Umbrella Revolution because I think the people are not pro. Like they don't want someone to. They don't want a leader. I think they don't want mm. student leaders, and they want the movement to be more uh, like, uh, like, l like not. Uh, they don't want to be. Um, uh, listen to their orders or something yeah and what like so the pan democrats have the this this idea of like this goal of helping democratization of china i don't do think they, they i don't think they have this they have the explicit goal of democratizing china but then they're more vaguer in their political goals in that they 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 identify themselves as chinese people and they embrace chinese culture and they also like have like opinions about like chinese politics but Okay. Um, like uh, the separatist movement uh, emphasized that uh, this is this is wrong because um, like uh, if if you like embrace Chinese culture, then you're sort of uh, blurring the line. You're not being uh, practical enough because like Hong Kong is is like Hong Kong itself is like another culture that is that could could that doesn't have to be conceived as like a part of Chinese culture, and like China is sure. sometimes uh, using a lot of that uh, like this sort of cultural nationalism to make people say in like Australia uh, to, to say that uh, there are uh, Chinese people not uh, Australians 
Yeah, yeah, there are no. Yeah. And there's also the education thing, like all the edu- like Chinese education campaigns, like patriotic education stuff, and yeah, yeah, um, Mandarin teaching and whatever. Okay, yeah. that's that's pretty interesting. So the um, do they embrace yeah. uh, Cantonese culture in contrast to Chinese culture? I mean, I, mean, it's I think a, there it's is a like, Chinese culture. I think it's very. I think it's a very different thing in that. Um, I guess what what I mean by embracing Chinese culture is that they have this idea of like what traditional Chinese culture is like and they they advocate like reading traditional books and books and culture that is like um sort of um like important for like the whole Chinese culture instead of uh, say Cantonese culture that is like much more local and much more specific. Mm, does this include the like new confusion and everything that happened after them like this return to Confucianism, traditional cosmology. Yeah, yeah, this definitely is a sort of um, traditional, like traditional Chinese thinking. So, like, um, like uh, apart from apart from like the communists in Hong Kong, there is also like this force, this uh, pro KMT force in Hong Kong that uh, that uh, like um, like for example, some of the schools in Hong Kong are pro KMT and not pro communist and. Um, so like pro as, yeah. pro Taiwanese KMT. Yeah, there's well, no I Taiwanese KMT. There's no other I KMT. I mean, I mean, I like yeah, but like the idea of of KMT as the like legitimate government of the whole whole China, or they just support the KMT as what they're doing in Taiwan. Like, why would they support the KMT in Taiwan? What's the point? I mean, like, I like, I mean, apart from like Chinese, like, say for example, I think I know, like, like. There, I mean, there are like forces in Hong Kong that are supported by ta- like KMT money, so oh, like oh right okay yeah, I guess say like, uh like an argument of of the people who are pro independence uh like the, like a lot of people from the pro independence camp don't like Wan Chin, uh because uh they think that uh the Taiwanese people the Taiwanese government uh had used like a traditional Chinese ideology to. To make uh, like the Taiwanese think that uh, they like because they are also part they also partake in this traditional Chinese culture, uh, they are like they should um, like also embrace China or something. So they think that like they shouldn't emb- they shouldn't uh, use like the like Chinese traditional Chinese culture uh, as like a sort of ideology for the people, but uh, like a sort of more local and specific culture. Okay, C- can we introduce Wang Chen for the audiences who? Might not be familiar with him, like. Uh, he he went to the. I don't know. I don't know what what he did before he went to the uh, University of Göttingen, but okay. he, he was did. Uh, he was a Chinese U. He was a Chinese U for his undergraduate and master degree. Yeah. And then he went to Germany to do a degree in a PhD in anthology. In what? In anthology. Okay. And then he so, came back, and then he he wrote like a shit ton of books uh, on how Hong Kong is uh, like with a mix of uh, like Hong Kong it should be like an uh, independent state or something. All right. Yeah. So Dino, Dino could probably say more than I than I could about Wanchen. Uh, he's sort of um, he likes to use the plastic thing to describe a lot of stuff, like oh, plastic. you mean left left plastic. Not just that plastic. There are a lot of plastic. So like. Oh really? Uh, okay. Let's let's talk about plastic. Like introduce plastics to you because a lot of people don't know what it means. So plastic is uh, Cantonese gao. So like you have uh, zhou gao means uh, uh, left plastic. You also have like uh, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's like big China, Greater China uh, oh, uh, plastic. Okay. So you can also have uh, Gangdo Gao, like a, a can, uh, Hong Kong independent uh, plastic. So it's like. Oh, a, you also have that? Okay. It, it depends how he trying to like disparage people. Like Wan Qing is someone who's made so many enemies that like it's pretty much like um, even even people who are sort of for Hong Kong independent spectrum wouldn't talk to him. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so plastic is used, like Gao is using a sense of fake, right? Or like um, low fake, quality? cheap, low quality. Cheap. Yep, that sort of... That That's super interesting because Hong Kong was like a place where, like that's built on no, and the manufacturing also, of plastic. Yeah, I mean like Gao, Gao is also like, I think it refers to like a swear word. Like uh, Gao Gao is like a like Cantonese yeah. word, and then they deliberately yeah. made it made like made it Gao because Gao sounds like uh, Gao, so like ah, like yeah, left, yeah. left pronunciation, uh, left yep. uh, penis or something like that. Ah, okay, okay, okay yeah, cool. Um, yeah, Wan Wan like wrote like a couple of books that were like very influential, and they got bad at some point. Um, like one of them is uh Saint Bonlun, and like there's two Saint Bonlun, and there's one. That is uh, Wai Man Lun, uh, and like I haven't I haven't read them because like uh, I just I just think uh, sometimes I just think it's like uh, like not very well written books, but uh, mm. like he he he's, he states a lot of like historical facts and like makes arguments about how uh, like for example he has this uh, fear like Wong Chong Lun, which is states th- like he thinks that like the mainland Chinese people are like uh, pests uh, that uh, sucks out all the resources from Hong Kong, but um yeah like he he says like different things at different time and then he's basically uh uh like uh like a bit nuts and he like because he 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 like he advocates for this sort of uh like great uh like that like mm-hmm. um that he that um uh like he wants uh, hong kong to return to and he thinks that like hong kong people are the sort of uh true they, destiny of yeah. the Chinese race or something. Yeah. In in the beginning of uh Wai Manlun, he sort of says that uh uh China should have adopted the British uh monarchy system and it's not suited to like the Russian uh, communist or the uh, French communist system because uh like obviously uh China is like it, it was still a monarchy and it probably would have been able to adapt to the mon- more, like monarchy system much better than the communist system so he thinks mm-hmm. that since Hong Kong like uh, adopted the British system so like British monarchy system um it like it it had run much smoother smoother and had like a much better history of development than like than Chinese did so Hong Kong should join the Commonwealth, or it should have his own no, king. No, no, like he's talking about, Hong Kong. <laughs> he's talking about um, like different phases. So, phase one would be Hong Kong to be a full city state. Uh-huh. Something that I mean, Hong Kong is already a city state, but something that city state mm. the status get recognized. So the basic law gets yeah. extended indefinitely. So mm-hmm. it would be um, a city state forever. That's the first step. The second step is to, I mean, I don't know, no matter how China changes gradually and Hong Kong start to lead in terms of politics, in terms of culture, in terms in the whole region, in the whole Chinese region. And okay. so as to be the capital of entire Chinese empire. That's pretty so interesting. That's, <laughs> so that's the, the eventual I idea. I wasn't seeing that coming. I mean, I didn't I mean, realize that was the end of it. 
It's all, it's all <laughs> this, uh, he's, he's making out all this stuff in his head and then... Yeah, um, but I mean, it's, pretty, it's, it's similar to some arguments like there recently have been made about like, you know, city-states um, like Singapore, right? Singapore is always taken as this example of successful, uh, like ex- extremely neoliberal city. Uh, it's but funny. I don't know if, if you Wan can Ching say that actually, Hong Kong was... Wan Ching uh, actually hates yeah. Singapore. Really? Why though? Like he's, that's the perfect example of a city-state that... You know, a Chinese, want, culturally Chinese. Yeah. No, like he's saying Singapore is not Chinese enough. It's like... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because it's multicultural and whatever, right? In a way that... But, um, um, yeah, because Wan Ching yeah. is also sort of a racial purity, kind of talking about racial how, purity. How is this like racial ideas are different from Chinese Han supremacism? Is he like Cantonese? supremacism or, or in a way yes in a way is it so so it's it's grounded in uh, cantonese identity or is it a no it's not he, like for hong example kong you talk about the f- i mean he's talking about hong kong identity not cantonese identity okay okay but so it's a that's separate part thing. of it yeah it's a separate thing but it, it mixed up up like it's very ambiguous for example mm. um in terms of hong kong identity he talks about hong kong identity as a unique mixture of uh, uh hong kong like chinese traditional and british mm-hmm. britishness so and this um it's sort of this main argument why hong kong is distinct and that's why i sort of to justify his opinions on hong kong can lead the entire of china because it's being assimilated with sort of british culture at the same time he maintains uh, mm. relative knowledge of what hong traditional china would work so uh and then he talks about um the physiology there was one point he talked about physiology of the chinese people on facebook like oh that's pretty saying, interesting He's talking about like how Cantonese people are physically weak, so that's oh, very frail. Okay. So people get sick easily, but we are smart. We need to protect ourselves <laughs> against outsiders, who are like, for example, Northerners who are strong, but not doesn't have brains. That sort of thing, like muscle guy, like especially Northern China. So like he sort of contrasts this sort of racial purity things. But um, how to to what extent is that like a stereotype versus, um, yeah, like racial purity or something? Of course, a lo- lot of this stuff are, when you're talking about like racial purity, like 90% of it ends up stereotypes. What, what, what else can you base on? Like fact? Like genetically? Yeah, I mean, we're but like, I, I guess like there's like a difference, I don't know, like talking about like uh, human, directly talking about human biodiversity versus um, like basing these things on uh, stereotypes. But I don't know. I, I haven't like I'm I'm not like a strong follower of his uh, Facebook posts. I mean, just like, just talk a lot of stuff is really um provocative and yeah. Of course, that's why he got kicked out of the uh, Ninan University. He was a professor okay. at Ninan University in the culture studies, I think. Yeah. And then um yeah he got kicked out because of these Facebook and he posts and, and he stuff. ran for like the elections. Yep. Uh, oh, really? He ran with, in the with starting which, with which party. Starting, he ran in starting for the party is called um what was the name of the party I forgot. Anyway, it, it was one just one election. And how are his know. books like? Are they like history books or kind of political theory or just a lot of different things? A lot of different things, yeah. Yeah. Like he has a different He has no. academic books. I Some mean, of them. yeah, but the, like his books are very much like for the like ordinary aud- audience, I would say. Yeah. Mm. So I've read um some of his more academic academic books there's one about um aesthetic of um colonial colonialism he's talking about aesthetics a lot so he's talking about um buildings in hong kong and stuff 
Um, here's this one book about that. It's fairly historical and academic. Okay. And um, some books about Hakka culture, like Hong Kong. Mm. Mm-hmm. I sort of like he does some anthropology stuff, but uh, then he goes back to the sort of racial purity and sure. Um, so, but so he's quite stuff. positive about the about col- the colonial times because he thinks that's what contributed to make Hong he was Kong a civil servant something. he was a civil servant and a government okay. advisor during the colonial times okay so he actually worked for the government and sort of he used that to justify that he knows a lot of insider information about how, how the government works and oh, that's pretty yeah, interesting the link they just sent um the nakate uh Nishijiko yeah yeah who yeah, is yeah, that yeah. it's it's uh, one it's a of his uh, uh, uh like yeah um, yeah, his followers. So he dresses like a woman, and is it like because of some anime fandom thing, or yeah, no? some anime fandom thing, but also right political. Um, he campaigns. He campaigned in Mongkok. I've seen him once actually. Yeah, uh, I, like I have a, as well. Um, but he's like, not Japanese. He just uses not, a Japanese name right he's now. Not, right? Okay. Yeah, he used this because the name means uh, uh Oh, it's called Tong Ming Tong Ming Ming Lin. Yeah. No, no, no. Like if you read no. it in Chinese, just read the Chinese characters. Do not. Yeah, see no. I mean, he has a Chinese name, but that's a Japanese name. Don't. Really no, no, no. It. Read the Japanese name. The Japanese name in Chinese yeah, yeah, yeah. character. You know what it means? No, it's like. I mean, I know it means like goats come out of China, something like that. It means uh, come inside. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know it. I don't know it. I don't watch AP. All right. So <laughs> what about the second part? Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a Japanese name, but uh, he made it like... It doesn't, sound, it like... doesn't sound like a Japanese name. Okay. No, it's not a Japanese name. Yeah. Hitsujiko. No, Hitsujiko that's, that's is a crazy like, no. name. Yeah. <laughs> It's just just the character, and then I mean it's it's sort of playful, playful of Chinese characters, basically. So this guy is born in nineteen ninety one. So it's kind of your generation, like right, Joy? Yeah. How is he seen yeah. um, in Hong Kong? I don't know. He he is. I don't think like he's as prominent a figure as uh, uh, Wan Chin. Um, mm-hmm. But he's. Um, I don't know. I think he tried to run for something yeah he tried yeah, to he run, run in the election something. and then i think at some point when chen said that uh, everybody who are followers of me should withdraw from social movement so that all of them just sort of withdraw from the front lines of social movement none of them campaign on the street no more so i think it's after the election how the election failed one Chen ran for election and then he failed and he complained on facebook that Hong Kong failed him, like, Hong Kong is hopeless now because ev- nobody voted for me, that sort of shit. Uh, um, yeah, and then they sort of, and t- they just withdraw from social movement entirely and just post on Facebook. Mm. So he, no he this guy runs on a similar political platform as Wang Chin, like, they have some... Yeah. Same party, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah same party, this, okay. He's like, he's like, I think, like, Chinese, Wang Chin has, like, this thing for... Like he, like he thinks he's like he, his party represents like traditional Chinese culture, and he, he's like this um, Chinese princess, like a uh, oh, right. Chinese princess or something. Okay, yeah, I mean, like it's the whoa, whoa, the what? state, it's the city state, <laughs> the, the the princess of the city state of the city state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, so how Hitsujiko, yeah, yeah. That does Wan Chin uh, like it, like. Isn't yeah, it, yeah. isn't he it's, very con- it's, but shouldn't he be very conservative, like even like in terms of gender identity? No, he's open no, no, he's not. Stuff. He's not actually, uh, okay. because this guy is like quite queer in many sense. Yeah, yeah. And 
Wan Chin doesn't seem to mind that. I mean, even he talk about gay marriage at some point. Wan Chin just right. saying he act Wan Chin. Oh, I think at the when Taiwan legalized gay marriage, Wan Chin yeah. posted status. He's saying that um, you don't need to like legalize it, but I'm not against gay marriage. But there's no point to legalize it because if you, when you legalize mm. it, you encourage it. And he's sort of the kind of person talking about like people should marry early, have kids early. So the okay, the, so it's still the, conservative. Yeah, but yeah, he's right. not saying that gay should be shot or something. But uh, okay, um, but he's saying that people should be encouraged to have more kids and stuff. I mean, yeah, so like, obviously related to Hong Kong's current situation, the low birth rate and shit. Yeah, there's like uh, among the Hong Kong independence people, they always talk about uh, how Hong Kong people should have more kids uh, and like um, uh, uh, to like fight uh, fight for Hong Kong identity by giving birth or something like that. Yeah, I probably against you know like it's it's a reaction to to mainland people going to Hong Kong to give birth. Like all yeah. the male and mothers going there, so there's this, it's easy to latch onto this and do pro-birth propaganda. Yeah. Cool. Do we want to think about how the Gilly article interfaces with these kind of things? How how is colonialism seen across the spectrum in Hong Kong? And are there actual think, people who are like nostalgic for it? I think like most people, like a lot of like most people are. Well, I I've I haven't heard many bad things about colonialism at all. Mm. Like in like they like say for example, um, like my mom like works for the government, and yep. like although she's like born in a very extremely pro Chinese uh, family, uh, she always talks about how in the past like she was given a lot of like social welfare, and like uh like she had like very very good uh, government housing and very good uh, like they they she like if like in the past if you had like a government job, um like. Um, you could like have that job like forever versus like yeah. now they have like uh, contracts which last like a few years and um, yeah colonialism is pretty much seen as like it, like the like the social welfare was like better than it was than than it's now but um, okay. uh, they I don't know but I guess had, like I, I can't I can't very... really say because yeah. like I'm not I'm not like born I'm not I did not live during the time uh, when like when Britain was colonialized and like there was a lot of like leftist critique about like the the colonizers but uh, on the whole I think like Hong Kong was like a better like I think like from what I know it it was like a um, like people seem to be happier. <laughs> like they were mm-hmm. afraid of. Like there was like this like uh, many waves of uh, immigration when uh, people like they they were really scared about like China like taking back Hong Kong again. And this is the reason why so many people immigrated to Canada and uh, to to Australia or whatever uh, so that they could uh, get some security after they um, they get the permanent residency of that place th- so that they can come back to Hong Kong and if something happens they can just like go back to Canada or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it seems like it's it's driven mostly by personal, uh, you know, like the experience of welfare or, you know, you care about your family's wealth and you don't want China to encroach upon Hong Kong and take, you know, take your house, take your money, take your job, stuff like that. So yeah, people try to keep it at bay because yeah. I mean, under the British, they're you know, there, there are arguments to say that Hong Kong people did not have many rights, right? And they were not included in any kind of government process or policy decision or anything. And yeah. I guess wages were clearly unbalanced. 
Yeah. But probably all this stuff is, you know, it's still acceptable in the memory of people who lived under it when the alternative is, uh, you know, waiting for 2049. It depends on what period. It depends on what period you're talking about. Because mm. if people are in Hong Kong and or growing up or living in Hong Kong in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, 90s, they would usually have a good image of Hong Kong. But if, you, mm, yeah. if you've been through Hong Kong earlier than that, it probably not. It depends. 60s, 70s. Yeah, it was. I mean, imagine like World Cologne City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the kind of economic boom was around the maybe uh, late around 70s, the time, beginning of 80s, like Lee Keshing and all this. Yeah, this it was right after. Sort of, yeah, it was right around the time when they demolished the place. It uh-huh. sort of symbolized the takeoff the modernization of Hong Kong. And right. in that time, British really did a lot of puppy housing for Hong Kong people. Also yeah, it was it was also mainly because welfare. like in they, they were really like the British got really scared uh, during the 1967 riots. So they yeah, decided right. to like MacLehose decided to like implement more like social welfare policy uh, to make the people happy and like for not for like this shit not to happen again. Right. So that's pretty interesting. It's like different phases of colonialism and probably the one that most people remember right now, because the ones that are still uh, like in their middle age, old age now is the kind of social welfare turn of British colonial domination. So there's it's it still feels pretty good compared to I hope to, that there's something more to it than that i mean that it would be based entirely on the material conditions at the end of colonialism just plays right into you know uh the type of people that would criticize gilly for saying oh well okay the comprador class was pro-colonial that doesn't prove anything that just proves that certain people had privileges and then Mm -hmm. they are sad that they went away so i really hope that there's some more uh, that there's something deeper there. What does Gilly say about Hong Kong? Does he say anything explicitly? He, I, I think he, I think he wrote like a sentence about Hong Kong. He said that like uh, colonialism was a very effective way of lifting lifting Hong Kong out of poverty, and like right. uh, Hong Kong is like the most one of the most prominent examples of that. Something. Mm. But the point is, Hong Kong didn't really exist before colonialism, right? Like the British made it. Yep. Because it just. They landed yeah. there and they were like, this yes. is ours. And then people flocked in because that area of, of Guangdong was basically like fishermen and nothing. I mean, I so, think, um, I think um, like during the time when they colonized Hong Kong, Hong Kong was already starting to develop as like a port. But okay. uh, like they didn't, yeah, they didn't really want to colonize it in the beginning, but then they decided no, that yeah. it was a good idea because like, uh, yeah. like they were, they, they were in an opium war and they, uh, the, Right. People on Hong Island offer them protection. Yeah, yeah. So people started uh, immigrating or like being. I mean, at the beginning, refugees. they really never cared um, about staying in Hong Kong. So sort of a transitional space because they wanted they wanted better Chinese city like Inland City or Guangzhou mm. or something. Of course, they're not gonna get that. So they have to get somewhere. And of course, at the beginning, they even they didn't even have any much of a public service in Hong Kong. Like um, the, all the public service, for example, the city hall was exclusive to um, British nationals and Europeans until like early 20 centuries. Yeah, I mean, that, 19- that was there was like old school colonialism, like they just arrived with ships and set up a few colonial buildings and, you know, yeah, like at the, yeah just at the sort of uh, uh, the front of the island. 
and those like today the sanctuary area that those area yeah, yeah it, it was there. just it was just victoria basically like yeah. Yeah. didn't exist so they didn't care about the welfare of local people until sure, like, sure, really sure. later on i mean that's another interesting connection to gilly because he is basically i mean a lot of the criticism that was leveled at him was basically why did you ignore the first you know 400 years of colonialism yeah and you're only looking at the last i don't know 30 40 in each mm-hmm. specific location yeah so i mean in a way this is only giving more ammunition i never figured if hong kong is you know some people tell you that hong kong is is, is a colony or has been but is it today's hong kong post-colonial or has it been decolonialized uh so like at the I, I forgot what year like the un had like a charter uh for like they had like a list of colonies that that oh, yeah, had to yeah, yeah. be decolonized but like hong kong yeah. was not on that list because like uh china interfered and said that uh it's like a it, it's chinese so like i guess like in that sense it's never like liberated okay so it was still a british colony but the chinese were like ah no it's coming back and it's china so they didn't yeah. want it to be yeah probably because they didn't want it to to be decolonized a separate yeah thing. to to go under a, a decolonial process and then it would have become independent or something they didn't yeah, want it was, to foster that kind of yeah it was in yeah. 19 1972 and um uh like this this like chinese ambassador in un uh like wrote something wrote a letter to to the person involved with this and said that like this like Ch- hong kong belongs to china and uh like they so thus Hong Kong cannot have like the right to self determination or something. Is it wishful thinking, or they did they already know that they would get it back in some way? I mean, mean I think they, I think they knew that the lease is ninety nine years, so they know they would get it back somehow. But the problem is that it was only the the areas you know there's limited areas like you're not you can yes you, they can they could still keep Hong Kong Island basically. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to, remember, we were having classes with some um, uh, older Hong Kong women, and she was always complaining about Sa- Cha- uh, Sacha. Mm-hmm. She was like, complaining about Sacha. And I'm like, why, would you, why do you hate Sacha so much? Because the, at the time, Sacha died, right? And she mm-hmm. was like so happy and stuff. Because she really hates Sacha because Sacha signed an agreement to return Hong Kong to China. Oh, right. A lot okay. of people oh. f- in her age actually blamed Sacha okay. like, for doing that. So like they really hated that particular British Prime Minister. Prime Minister, all right. So like in that memories, the thing really happened in eighties, and that's when all the insecurity like start to rise and then sort mm. of. So there is like a, also like a feeling of betrayal from yeah, the sort colonial of power because they at the time that I think there's almost like um they're already almost feeling sense of belonging or something gradually sure, sure, sure. start to settle down and then suddenly at like. I got sold out or something like yeah, yeah. Um, no that was the case I, I have a question for joy i want to know more about the kind of elite hong kong youth like probably your generation the people that come out of those elite schools and kind of mm-hmm. embrace a posh kind of british inflected identity what, what, what are of... their politics yeah what, what are their politics is there like a mainstream politics among the elites or they go like whatever all, all, all over the spectrum how is it uh i think most of them i think they go all over the spectrum but um i, li- I think most a lot of them stay a- apolitical because uh they, oh, they don't have anything to like they don't have anything to complain they have like a job they 
they like if they t- if they if they inv- get themselves involved in politics, then like the their employer will fire them and like I mean it's it's not it's not for it's like having having a political uh, standpoint. It's like not not good for the job market. And most of these elites are working for um, like business banking. related things and banking and that that kind of stuff. And okay. like so and I like, guess yeah. yeah. Say so, uh, and like say people. Um, like like uh, especially like people in the medi- like medical industry, they don't know anything about politics. They don't anything. They don't know anything about the outside world. They just know about like what happens in the hospital. Like mm-hmm. some like some of my friends are like who who become doctors are just like the every like with like with like each day they just become like like more and more isolated and don't know anything about what's going on in society. What are the stereotypical uh, class markers or just what's the stereotype about somebody that joins the Hong Kong localists? Uh, as in like the like the student movements. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Like um, the 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 people who join like uh, localist movement, especially uh, I think the more radical side of the spectrum are around like sixteen to like thirty years old, and they mm-hmm. don't have like they don't have like a they don't have uh, some of them are jobless and some of them have like yeah. very poor like social prospects they don't have much and. And yeah, and and they think that like by joining uh, like social movements, they can earn money because like sometimes uh, they can like through social movement they can get like more social exposure, and um, and people will start to recognize them and they'll become like public figures and stuff. Um, oh like, really? That's yeah, that's yeah. the main driver is like a celebrity activism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. There's one the the guy was the what was the name the guy wearing glasses got beaten up once. Was his name? Uh, Edward Long. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, um, he was arrested, um, no? He was. I mean, he's a was public he... figure. He was a public okay. figure. Like, it was like the front front face of the Hong Kong independent movement yeah. or something, and then uh, got attacked by random people on the street or always speaking and shit and looking really like hipster, like got mm. like hipster glasses, hairstyles and. But he's like, I think he's like, he's he's like, he has more potential than like other people in the Hong Kong independence camp, and uh, like, it, it, I think it's kind of sad that like after he he goes to jail like for six years or something, like no one in like the Hong Kong independence camp will step out and like take over as like a public figure because, like, they need to have a job, and if they have if they want to have a job, then they can't participate in politics because if they like participate openly in politics, then they'll get fired, and like, no one no one is daring to do that. But I thought they joined so that. They join because they have nothing to lose, and so they can become a, a public celebrity or intellectual or yeah. I guess I guess maybe. I guess that was before like so many like so many people are being put into jail that they oh, that they were okay. attracted to yeah. like Hong Kong like Hong Kong Hong Kong Hong Kong Indigenous is one of the like most organized uh, party on Hong Kong independence before, but like uh, since like the trials were happening, it it has become. Like, like I think since like the uh, like the fishball revolution or as like the media called like uh, like what happens in like Hong Kong during New Year's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it has become like much more uh, like disorganized and people like I I just feel that they are like very directionless right now, especially with like their two main people facing the possibility of like going to jail for six years. What is um I'm curious about Hong Kong indigenous because are they somehow uh grounded on actual indigenous people of Hong Kong like the ones that live of in the territories not. 
Of course no? not. Like Edward Lam himself is from like his like he he's born in mainland China, but like okay. they they just they just like have this like their English is not very good, so they like just um. I don't know. I just I just think like the name Hong Kong indigenous is very weird. Like, how, who calls themselves like indigenous? Like, I mean, it's like I mean they want to emphasize yeah, that yeah. they are like they're locals, but then, like, like why do they say that they're like indigenous sort of people? Yeah, yes. sort of. Yeah, it's, it's really weird because there are actual Hong Kong indigenous people, right? Like, the, yeah. I don't know what's the Cantonese term, but like the the ones who the live Tonka? in the new territories, like they have actual they they have no, the they rights have the to the land. They have yeah. the, the, the ding ding wu or something. That's the thing they have. Uh, uh, the like they they own like villages in like new yes, territories yes. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like you cannot buy those houses. They can only be passed among like their families and they're protected. Like only males. Yeah. 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 yeah only yeah. males. So so was, I was really like curious because this I always thought this party had somehow dragged those people into politics by like. Attaching no, this like, idea of being well, what indigenous is, what is to them. What is interesting is that like these people are like they're they're pro free market, and mm. um, because I mean like a free market is like they're like they're very much um, like not not like pro farming and that kind of stuff. They're much more pro like Hong Kong. It depends on like its economy for 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 power, and they they want to keep this sort of ideology. And so they're pro yeah. banking. They are very proud of HSBC or something like that. Or what? Uh, I guess. Where is this coming from? They're I guess. Of, yeah. Yeah, because Even? like, like say, say for example, today they like they reposted uh, the like uh, because uh, ch- like some Chinese uh, stock got like a poor rating and it dragged down Hong Kong's uh, credit rating or something, and then uh, someone from like the uh, stock exchange or or something stood out and say that Hong Kong must have like a clear set of laws that is different from China and uh, like the Hong Kong indigenous reposted this and said that like they're well I think they're very much um, uh, pro like having like like proud of Hong Kong's like banking system because uh, Hong Kong's legal system has allowed it to have like a, a banking system that has like attracted many people from the world to come to Hong Kong to invest or something. Yeah. yeah. So they're the opposite of Occupy, basically, as far as the social movement is concerned. Occupy doesn't have a political program, really. It doesn't have sort of a clear political goal that it actually makes any, I mean, long term. There was just uh, downwards uh, low back goal or something like it's just. Oh, sorry. I didn't yeah, mean yeah, in yeah. Hong Kong. I mean in in uh, like in general. Like okay, the, the Occupy, the Occupy, movement. Occupy yeah. Wall Street stuff. You're talking yeah. About. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they are not. Um, they are in a way quite sort of ha- comfortable with neoliberalism, that sort of stuff. Yeah. In that sense, I'm really curious about the uh, like the actual pol- political economy or like uh, how would I don't know if one Chin has any of these, but how do any of the people who argue for Hong Kong independence deal with the fact that like. Hong Kong exists because China wants an outlet for like financial markets, for easy access to financial markets and import export, and that you know Hong Kong has no secondary sectors, all like tertiary management, banking, and even like water and electricity comes from China. And what's what would be the plan for independence? Is it like a Singapore model or? 
How it depends. Or they don't think about it. They just you know why, use why? independence. No, they, as a... they actually do. They actually do. Like I don't know okay. about Hong, I don't know about I don't know about Hong Kong indigenous, but Wan Ching actually mm -hmm. wrote about this in the book. Okay. So his program is to have a city state and to mm -hmm. negotiate in, in with China mm -hmm. as allies. So we have to ally with China. We cannot hate China. Right. Like we at least we do not hate China explicitly. So we become <laughs> allies. <laughs> like we are city state protected by China, but we're not. We're not um, like sort of stuff. Yeah, subordinate. That's yeah, that's similar to Singapore, though, because like Singapore is a you know largely Chinese city state who is kind of okay so with China. You know, makes make money with them. But yeah, but who is protecting Singapore in that sense? Who is the ally? Malaysia. <laughs> who is the, the ally? The U.S. right, yeah, so yeah, but you gotta. But U.S. Right, is right, sort right. of, yeah. It's like, but it's a long distance ally. It's not like mm -hmm. right next to it. Like, who would be your best ally? This sort of choice. I mean, one is saying that U.S. is not a good ally. He's really against allying with U.S. Mm -hmm. So like, you have different kind of. Um, well, the one thing that one change is different from Hong Kong indigenous or a lot of other strands of Hong Kong independence is that he actually sort of proposed a program. Mm -hmm. Okay. He proposed a program, really detailed program of what to do, like phase one, phase two, phase three, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool, though. It's kind of a speculative design for the future of the city. Yeah, sort of like that. I mean, it's very, like, even talk about city design and stuff, mm -hmm. like, not just urban design, even. It really depends. Also, he actually considers stuff like water, electricity. Mm. Yeah, he actually considers all this stuff. Like, um, what, what, what um, is the proposal for water? Buying water. So as from, an ally, you can buy China? water from China. Okay. Yes, you, can, you just buy water from China. Well, I guess like, that's what already happens, no? Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. That's already what happens, yes. Okay. Pretty much. So what we're trying to say is sort of trying to legitimize and formalizing this whole process of allies. Okay, and, and but, so uh, but with a in independent sovereignty, like a state. state not sovereignty, full sovereignty. Not, not full sovereignty? sovereignty. Okay. He's not talking about like full sovereignty immediately, but gradually. Yeah, like okay. at the beginning, we we only want we don't need military, but we want um full. And what, the one thing what he, would be the uh, bargainship with China? Like how how would he convince China that that's good instead of just being a part of China? <laughs> <laughs> that's the main thing he talk about is that um, the only reason why China will be convinced is to send him as a diplomat. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like, um, if you don't send me to negotiate with China, Hong Kong has got nothing. So, um, well, the whole okay. point is that, um, like... What's his plan for if China says no? Is that discussed? He, he, he's basically saying that China has no reason to say no. Because he's saying that China needs Hong Kong more than Hong Kong needs China. Oh. Is that real? Is that true? That's the f one of the first thing he said in the book, um, hmm. um, the Tambanglan. Uh, it's basically about like um, city-state theory of city-state or something. He even hmm. traced back to like um, Greek stuff and uh, the whole idea, like even CIA document that calls Hong Kong a city-state or something. So it's like it's like uh, uh, finding evidence all over the place. Is, I mean, it's weird, but uh, he what sort of tried. Um, he tried to justify himself with both mythology and sort of conspiracy theory. Mm. So what, it's like, what if, um, like, if if Chang Baolong was translated, would it become like a? Would it yeah. read like something very leftist? 
or no, very right? No, no, it's 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 right wing, but uh, I mean, he's he's very like, he's always openly confessed I'm like right wing, like I'm mm. super right wing or something. He's just he's just very open about that, and I mean, just the book itself is more like it's a really detailed program, like laying out for the readers, the kind of readers who are sort of it's a political pamphlet almost. Sure. It's not less than a sort of a, uh, analysis of like more like he's 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 most of the stuff like um stuff at least the stuff he wrote like in the past five years or I don't know or ten years probably all political stuff. Can I think he also wrote uh, ghost stories sometimes. Yeah, he wrote. I mean, like he he also into like sort of um 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 folklores and shit. He's really into folklores, Hong Kong folklores. Mm, so it's like yeah that kind of a trying to find an identity like a local cultural because he mythologized the whole thing like um for example there's a cloud today like you read the message from the god or something and then mm. um they're gonna be a disaster everybody should protect themselves that sort of thing i mean he sort of mythologized he do a lot, lot of rituals like mm. regular rituals like um ancient rituals of like um like fortune telling rituals or whatever yeah yeah, yeah like taoist local traditional religion type of thing yeah he does all that stuff and um so he's sort of misalizing um at the same time he also talk about um parliamentary politics mm-hmm. uh so it's like sort of uh, a meshing up of different things and a lot of them are not really contradictory yeah but if it works i mean if he has an audience he has an audience yes I mean, sometimes he says very uh, sort of um, smart-ass things, and then sometimes he's just outrightly being crazy on Facebook. Thing. Can we talk about your quay? Yeah, we can move on to that yeah. because um, <laughs> I think we have the, all the setting to like place him somewhere. That I yeah, I mean, know. this is the I still this don't is know like, where it is. But this is the setting because we're like the you know like your quay are friends with Wan Ching on Facebook. At some point, Facebook suggested me a quote, uh, like a post. That is uh-huh. says liked by your quay, <laughs> and it's a one chain post. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Are they friends yeah, now? That's a great connection. And w- I think one chain's liking fa- your quay's post as well. So I think they know each other. Like, Probably, yeah. Why not? I mean, there's not that many yeah, public I mean, intellectuals in Hong Kong, so they probably read each other's work. And and of course, in that Eflux article, um, mm-hmm. your quay wrote one sentence, sort of disparaging him, sort of mm-hmm. new, yeah, a neocon or something. Yeah. So um, where well where where do you think Yukoi stands? Because I only read that piece, uh, some of his stuff on digital objects and the book. I've read like digital objects. Book. I've read one chapter of cosmetic, uh, cosmo, te- cosmo techniques and uh, yeah, and uh, his two uh, his book about um, occupy a theory yeah, of yeah, occupy. Yeah. But I noticed that in the theory uh, like occupy thing, he also quotes Stigler and a bunch of the same people he quotes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, For Signa, it was just about the fire thing. Yeah, Yeah, but in in the Cosmotechnics book, he's he's, um, proposing, like in large terms, what he thinks uh, China, like Chinese people, but he he doesn't, he's not talking about the People's Republic of China, he's just talking about traditional China, like cultural China. And he says, what Chinese people need to do is to find back the old... Uh, 
you know, ontology of technology, like the local understanding of technology and build something new with it because what the West proposes is not good for China. And his arguments are colonialism, uh, the arrival of, you know, the British and then the West and the Opium Wars and uh, like up to today, everything has been the West imposing its own technological superiority over China. And uh, now Chinese people have lost their, you know, identity. They don't know who they are and they just believe in whatever Western technology tells them. And, uh, you know, that's bad. That these are his arguments. And the tone is pretty like kind of Heideggerian, even though I noticed that on Facebook and on interviews, he kind of tries to say he's not and that people misunderstand him. He keeps saying yeah. things like, oh, Chinese people need to go to their cultural home. Everybody needs a home to find back those, you know, traditional ideas and traditional mm. practices is important. And it's kind of weird to read this thing by a Hong Kong person who says I don't you know he doesn't really care of what happened in China for the past 50 years so he, he, he reads like someone who's arguing for a traditional China that is, is not what happened in China it's just a, the identity uh, it, it seems really close to what Wang Qin says as this idea of ethnic superiority in some case but is it how, how is it different how is the Occupy pamphlet Occupy pamphlet it's I don't know. I can say my opinion first and Joy sure. can yeah. say hers. Mm -hmm. um, the writing is good. The writing is uh -huh. good um, as a piece of writing. And uh, of course, he's written in a really a activist tone, very mm -hmm. Marxist in that sense. I mean, quarter Marx. And, I mean, there's, there's a degree that I don't know if I misinterpreted it. I think he's trying to introduce a whole lot of European radical groups and theories to Hong Kong audience. Mm. That's why I sort of that sort of um, very density of like of quotes from all sorts of like European radical groups like um, Workers mm -hmm. Group, Alprismo in Italy, yeah, uh, yeah. Situationist International in France, and uh, even uh, um, um, Indignos uh, in Spain. Okay. So like so like he, he's sort of talking about all these um, different trends of sorts and in a way trying to work out something for Hong Kong, but. Okay, so so he he likes uh, he's for Occupy, or he thinks there's yes. something good in of, there. Okay, I mean he's all for Occupy. Like he's okay. He's like in Hong Kong media, he's like I mean as far as I see, it's very obvious he's left wing anarchist. Okay, yeah. Joy, what do you I'm, think? I'm, I'm done. I think like yeah. uh, like you posted you posted this pamphlet, and also you also posted that uh, like Hong Kong. Um, uh, like left plastic thing and how people were like were becoming like the 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 movement in Mongkok was becoming very divided because people were like doing different hot things pot. Yeah, yeah hot pot and like ping pong and um like how the movement has become divided because people were like not being very unified in what they're trying to do and and, and I want to point out that like uh, the Occupy, like this whole Occupy, Occupy movement started with like Joshua Wong um, uh, being in, in like the government, uh, government offices. And like this was in the beginning, not really a sort of like Occupy, like leftist movement. It was like inspired by something that was more like they, they demanded democracy from the government. But, but like the, like, I mean, sure, you could talk about like leftists, anarchists, whatever you want, but then like like Hong Kong like like sure Hong Kong is like a capitalist uh place and like uh Walter Benjamin uh uh like has this theory that uh like the 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 city has become like like um like 
the do do shi man you uh the dosi man yeah like the the flaneur flaneur yeah. yeah it's it's like um like this is a bourgeoisie a conception of uh of cities but like spaces should be used in a more like common way and people should like possess this place by by making it more common and like use it uh, in different ways and discover all the possibilities uh of this space but like like in the occupy movement if the people if the like he sort of i think his his take on occupy is that people should uh, try to experiment with hong kong as a space for different things but occupy could have been utilized for like a much more like practical political purpose apart from uh like uh, giving hong kong people a time to like experiment with like leftist things because like when people when they like occupied central they could get they could have just like did something much more radical and like paralyze the stock exchange if they wanted to but they mm. but they didn't do it they did this sort of like leftist leftist thing that like didn't like didn't have much effect apart from like draw a lot of attention from like foreign media and right. um so i think uh i think uh like sh- like if hong kong was had like if, if like Hong Kong's autonomy was not threatened and uh they they had the power to like uh, and Hong Kong like Hong Kong had self autonomy and it had a lot of banking institutions then people could come out and like do, uh, and and occupy and try to change things but Hong Kong is not like an independent government like it like it's been like it has a lot of um uh like it, it's it's not free like people cannot say things what like whenever they want and so this sort of uh like it's it's sort of like pointless like i mean it's not pointless but like although this whole occupy thing serves as a sort of like spiritual awakening for some it's not like very uh like effective to do those things without organization what well, do you, do you think that um like let's say they stopped the stock exchange don't you think it would have led to a massive like police response and just disbanded everything that happened because because my guess is they will they were trying to kind of told the line between occupying but not disrupting too much and being you know pushed away immediately i mean like if if they if they possessed uh, occupy then they would have like more bargaining power at least mm. i think so is is yukwei left plastic uh yukwei. i mean like <laughs> i think i think like you can't just like say that like like a person is just i mean like no no no, no 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 not like, him i mean just like the stuff he writes especially the stuff he writes in cantonese for like occupy is that considered left is it a kind of less plasticky thing or is it a different it depends from whose perspective if you're talking yeah. about like say one change perspective probably is okay but uh if you are anarchist in hong kong you probably love it okay oh. okay so we clearly fucked up the last three minutes of recording so uh i just adding this coda here to say thanks to joy for being with us and uh, telling us a lot of interesting stuff Uh, thanks to Dino and Josh for being around and hosting it with me. And um, uh, we'll see you soon with the next episode of Curse with Good Ideas. Cheers.